Welcome to Radically Transparent, the number one podcast for the modern day marketer, presented by Octopost, the only social media and employee advocacy solution architected for B2B. Each episode shines a light on the inner workings of B2B leadership, including what keeps successful CEOs, CMOs, and VPs up at night professionally. The conversations are real, raw, and authentic, all while revealing the unfiltered, not-so-known truths of today's most interesting marketers. Introducing your host, Jennifer Gutman. Hello, world. Here with me today is a true B2B marketing rock star and inspirational leader, Eric Williamson, CMO of Callminer. A seasoned marketer currently leading all marketing efforts globally across Callminer, Eric brings years of experience working with brands such as Geico, Walmart, Microsoft, Hyatt, Acura, Pizza Hut, Norwegian Cruise Line, Discover Card, Mentos, US Cellular, Google, Grey Goose, American Greetings, Intel, Acura, and Royal Caribbean. Eric, is there a brand you haven't worked with? We couldn't be more excited to have you on the show. Are you ready to get radically transparent with me? I, I am. See, you seasoned marketer. You just made me sound old. Uh, but uh, no, yes, I've I've had uh, I've I've been blessed to work with a lot of a lot of great brands in my career. We're really excited to to hear more about that and dive into that a bit more. And you know, just to give you uh, maybe an easy, radically transparent curveball to start with. Maybe you could give us a brief look into your professional journey and a little bit of those brands we mentioned earlier and how you found yourself actually as CMO at Callminer. Sure. Uh, so as you can tell, uh, obviously, I didn't work at all those companies. Um, I have spent the bulk of my career actually on the agency side, the ad agency side. So, um, you know, early on in my career uh, around, you know, dot com times, um, you know, I worked at a couple startups, uh, realized that digital was something that I wanted to build my career on. Um, so from there, it sort of Parlayed into working for some digital ad agencies and then ultimately working at the Martin Agency, uh, which is where Geico and Walmart and Pizza Hut and several B2C brands had the experience working on everything from TV to social media. Um, and then uh, I was brought up here to uh, Boston to work at Mullen Lowe, um, okay. which is what brought me to the Boston area. Um, and I worked on Google and Microsoft and, you know, um, Acura, um, several other brands. So uh, a lot of B2C, some B2B tech. Um, ultimately, I, I made the switch into the client side um, and found a nice niche uh, in B2B tech. So I joined a company called Acquia, okay. which is a uh, digital experience platform built around Drupal, which is an open source project. Uh, so I spent uh, a little over three years, maybe three or four years at uh, at Acquia, uh, overseeing about half of marketing, VP and, and demand gen, et cetera. Um, and then uh, we had a nice exit uh, with Vista Private Equity. And we know Vista that, well. <laughs> okay, so uh, part part of the Vista fam for a little bit. Um, they they have some great um, policies and some some great things that'll help tighten up companies. But um, so from there, I really felt like it was my you know, time for my next step uh, in my career. And I talked to a few different companies, uh, ultimately found Callminer. And honestly, I was just combination. Obviously, it comes down to having a really good feeling about the CEO and some of the other execs, which I did through the interview process. But what really intrigued me was this extremely simple but complex scenario that Callminer 
basically takes in all the customer interactions. So think, so think of millions of customer interactions that come through a big enterprise company. Uh, and that's just a you know, common sense goldmine or insights that can transform a company. But it is so hard to actually find those insights and then scale them uh, and get them to the right, into the right hands. So to me, uh, you know, one, I knew this was a hot industry, but two, just that general value proposition was intriguing to me. Uh, I saw the potential. Um, I knew that we needed to do a full rebrand, which is something that you know I love to do uh, to to sort of set companies on a new course. And so it was a good connection. So that's that's kind of me in a nutshell. I love it, and I think what's really fascinating, you know, we've had a lot of guests on the show, and, and you can either be an accidental marketer or you can be you know, a by choice marketer. And I, what what I love about your experience, it, and especially now in the B two B space, and we'll maybe talk about this a little later on. But in today's world, there's so much talk about how B2B marketing needs to be done more like B2C and kind of build those connections, relationships, and have meaningful connections with your customers and clients. And I feel the the B2C guys who have that experience behind them, you guys know how to do it. So I'm really looking forward to hearing uh, (laughs) some of your answers later on. Um, What I do want to just quickly, for those listening with Coleman, I know you gave a value proposition a moment ago, but could you just share with us the value or ex- what exactly again is call miner sure. and, and what, 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 what do you guys do? Sure. No problem. So call miner, obviously we're a technology company, uh, but at its heart, what call miner does is our platform, it pulls in. So think of any large enterprise company that has either a call, a contact center, like a customer service center with lots okay. of agents, you know, all of us have texted one of those or called in because we had a problem or think of any large enterprise organization that has an outbound sort of B2B sales, like inside sales um, organization. So companies like that use our platform to pull in all of those interactions, whether they be phone calls or texts or chats okay. and ingest all that information, all those interactions. But if you think about those interactions, Inside all those interactions, one, you've got the, the customer service agent that needs a dashboard to be able to be able to see their script, but also adjust to the different recommendations based on what our platform is telling them to do. Uh, so at the contact center level, it's operational efficiency. But if you just think about the insights and trends that can come from millions of those interactions, so our platform uh, through artificial intelligence it gleans all those insights, finds the ones that are the most actionable, and we're able to make sure those get delivered to the marketing team, the product team for R&D, uh, to finance. So all the, different, all the different departments in the organization that typically were not able to tap into those insights now can do that through our platform. That's wild. So I actually come from the world back before Octopost of live person. And I'm just thinking of how, how your technology can be transforming some of the call centers uh, that we were working with there. Yeah. You can think of it like live person, uh, you know, chat platform. You can think of it, the agent at the call center is seeing something very similar and they're seeing suggestions based on our platform, interpreting emotion and nuance of the, of the customer that they're talking to. So they're seeing something that looks similar to like a chat interaction, but we're actually also ingesting chat interactions, combining that together with the voice interaction that we're having. And we're able to, like I said, pull up those insights that can be valuable, one, at the contact center level for operational efficiency standpoint and better customer service. But really the value proposition we have is the insights that we can 
identify as root causes that might be a problem or a big opportunity that they're not taking advantage of and making sure that gets routed to the right department. That's fantastic. And especially nobody likes to miss an opportunity. But I, as you described earlier, right, like kind of the simple and complex technology, because I'm sure, Eric, there is no shortage of things that are keeping you up at night, as amazing as this technology is, as CMO, what on earth is keeping you up at night these days professionally? So uh, if you'd asked me uh, a month ago, I would have said a, a rebrand. We've just done a, a complete and total. Uh, so we had already shifted our strategic positioning, but our visual identity, our messaging, everything about us had not really caught up to that new value proposition. Uh, so that was keeping me up at night for many nights uh, <laughs> up until about a month ago when we had a, a successful launch. Um, beyond that... Thank you. Thank you. Uh, beyond that, you ask any CMO, especially one that works in B2B tech, and their answer should be, uh, you know, write it down if you need to, but your answer should always be pipeline, uh, future CMOs. Um, so I, that's what keeps me up at night. Uh, if you ask anybody on the marketing department, you know, what is their objective, regardless of whether they are the head of PR uh, or whether they actually work in demand gen, their answer is going to be pipeline. Uh, so, you know, that's ultimately, if you unpack everything we do in marketing, it's there to drive gross additions to our pipeline through marketing source, but also we support sales and we support channel so that all three sources are driving pipeline. Beyond that, um, you know, I worry about the balance of, of the campaigns that we're investing our time and money into. And essentially, we've got all of our always on sort of drumbeat campaigns of paid search and remarketing and things like that. but also bespoke campaigns that are out there for our inbound or for our account-based marketing. So I worry about that balance and making sure I've got the right mix of things out in the market. So listen, pipeline is a scary thing. Um, We've had some intense debates here at Octopus about what potentially is killing uh, marketing pipeline or sales pipeline. And some might say the marketer, some might say the sales teams, some may say technology. Do you have a take on uh, if, if somebody's having a weak pipeline on what might be the cause? Well, I can tell you that when, uh, when you're having a great quarter, uh, everybody's happy and no, no finger pointing is happening. When you're having a bad quarter, it becomes the Hunger Games really fast. Um, and everybody's trying to you know, find out uh, the attribution piece of this, which is always kind of that nirvana that we never reach because multi-touch attribution is, is very hard. Um, uh, I mean, as far as one of the things that I would say is a kind of common sense solution, but this is one of the reasons why we're switching from classic outbound to account-based marketing. So account-based marketing really does force the organization to, at the very least, sales and marketing to almost come together as just rev gen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is, we, we rolled out ABM this year for the first time in the company's history. Um, we're using, you know, six senses, our intent platform, um, and, you know, kind of a crawl walk run scenario. So we're just getting the first campaigns out in market, both for our existing company, our existing customers that we have growth strategy for, but also classic new logo. So we're rolling that out. We hope to have it fully scaled by the end of the year, but that has forced us. We literally had to write. 35-page rules of engagement document that didn't exist before. Um, We had to do this. So it forced us to be a little bit more process-oriented, but it forced sales and marketing to just get more tightly aligned, which is always a good thing. I would agree with you there. Now, to shift our our, uh, 
pipeline hats. We'll take those off for a moment because that can definitely get heated real fast. Um, People often ask me, what makes a great brand? And I usually will say back that it's the people, hands down, right? Because what's behind a brand, it's people. Um, And they're important. And I know that 2020 was one hell of a year, for lack of a better way to say it. Um, Some may argue 2021 uh, started kind of rocky and depending where you're sitting may also still continue to be a little bit rocky. How are you motivating and supporting and protecting your team in today's workforce with all of these new changes and the changes, the way we work, maybe some of the technology that we're using, the mindset, the tool set, the skill sets, and, and what have you learned from it all? Sure. Uh, well, first and foremost, I never in my life thought I would be uh, me switching roles in the middle of a, a pandemic. Um, you know, I got uh, really lucky. Uh, our office was officially closed, but the CEO, um, he's just not a work from home type of guy. So uh, he, he was in the office. So I was able to come into the office two or three days a week. And that really helped me get up to speed. Um, what I learned is first and foremost, you really have to be a lot more flexible. Uh, you really have to be open to trying new things. Um, and, you know, I'll give a tactical example. Clearly, anybody who's in B2B tech right now knows that events was a huge hit. Not, not to bring Pipeline back up, but events, <laughs> not having events was a huge hit to, to Pipeline. And I think all of us were scrambling a bit because the natural reaction was, okay, that's fine. We'll just do virtual events. but at the end of the day, the, the, the type of event that we would go to a larger trade show just was not delivering, uh, you know, th- that pipe uh, that we need. So we really had to pivot. We had to, to basically try things out, but then quickly pivot away from them when they weren't working. So I would say being open to change, uh, but also trying new things and, and just kill something if it's not working out quickly. I think the last thing, and, and you talked about people, is, you know, when, when you're in the office working together, it's almost like it's you know ironic because what our platform does is is essentially interpret human interactions. But when you're in the office, you have these face-to-face personal interactions with your with your team, with your peers. And it's really hard sometimes to glean that over Zooms. Uh, and so I've had to learn to, especially with my team, try to be very Zoom observant um, and look for some of those signs of burn, burnout or, or, you know, there's too much on, you know, so-and-so's plate, but they're not saying anything about it. But I really have to kind of like have that same little spidey sense when something's wrong and they're just not saying it because you, you, can't, you can't see that as easily over Zoom. So those are probably some of the things I think I've learned this year. And yeah. I'm ready. I'm very, very ready. Happy to see things coming back. I'm I'll be like the first one on a plane to go to an event. <laughs> well, we'll invite you to our headquarters in Tel Aviv the minute you can hop on a plane. Um, I Listen, I, you know, speaking of that, kind of what you've learned, I think what's interesting that I didn't realize during the pandemic is how often, for example, let's say we'd have a marketing meeting with, you know, a, a, on, with the whole team. And then after that marketing meeting, maybe you turn, you know, to your colleague after that meeting to discuss further that meeting. And what I missed most was that opportunity to do that because then that would require like calling that person on Zoom and you lose like the whole momentum. And sometimes great ideas or great thoughts come from like the after conversations 
of that Zoom meeting that is now happening on Zoom. So I agree with you that those little nuances have been lost and I'm excited to have them back. Um, and it is hard to pick up, I think, on Zoom what might be going on the minute the computer shuts off or the, the camera shuts off. So thanks for bringing that to light. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I think everybody found their rhythm. I think it took two or three months, you know, companies were doing like you know, weekly happy hours. Well, just trying everything. Um, but I, I do think, you know, just Zoom fatigue is a real thing. Um, no offense to Zoom. They're a great company. It's just like just being... It's, it's even, I think it's just more tiring than even being in the office. Um, but I, I definitely miss some of the little, you know, the small interactions that are accidental when you're walking to a meeting or something, I think. So some of that just gets lost. So I'll be happy to have some of that back. Amazing. I agree. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the team at, at Call Miner because uh, I've interacted with, with uh, a lot of your team, actually, and they're fantastic. Um, and I was curious to see in your eyes as CMO in leadership, Right? You have rock stars and you have all stars and you have, you know, really great team members. In your eyes as CMO, what do you feel defines a call miner all-star? Well, first and foremost, and, and this is something I, I found all, early on about call miner just as a company. Um, you know, I was worried about starting a, a, a new role with a new company in the middle of a pandemic when you're not going to meet anybody face to face. That to me was just daunting. Um, but Call Miner as a company is just extremely welcoming. Um, it's been around since 2002, and there's actually several people in our Florida office that have been around from the beginning. Um, but just there's a there's sort of a family atmosphere, and so that I think uh, you know is something that just helps set people up for success because you have that supportive sort of foundation. Uh, as far as being able to identify rock stars, I think one thing, and and most tech companies that are going through sort of that scaling that happens when you, you hit around, you know, 50, 60 million ARR, but you're trying to get to 150. There is this transition period where you don't want to lose that, that family DNA, but you do have to bring in a lot of new talent and new thoughts and ideas from just kind of the older school way of thinking. So there is a lot of new people that are joining uh, and there, and, you know, uh, I think the, Sign of a rock star here for me are people who have been through that scaling experience, mm -hmm. uh, people who can come in and, you know, implement some of the rigor and process that we need without completely throwing away our old DNA and our old culture. Because I think that is the foundation for our success. We just need to layer on a lot of the new thinking on top of it. Totally. So for anyone listening who's looking for a job at Call Miner. Uh, we're, we're <laughs> I think. Eric I, just gave some hints onto what makes rock stars. <laughs> I mean, I, th I think we've even even in the middle of the pandemic, I think we have grown by like 118 percent. Um, I, I have the stat somewhere here, but so hopefully I didn't murder that stat. But just uh, I mean, we continued to grow, uh, whereas several companies just kind of had to, especially the ones that were industry specific and got hit hard. Um, you know, we've continued to grow. We've had 20% year-over-year growth since 2019. Um, just Q4 was our best ACV quarter of our entire history. And Q1 was our best uh, renewal rate in our company's history. So we've got a lot of momentum. So absolutely, if you, uh, if you are looking for a, a really exciting job <laughs> and a really fun ride while we scale, uh, please call us up. <laughs> there you go. So listen, Eric, I have two more questions for you. Um, and the first one, 
you know, I, I think about careers and where you are as her and I feel fear is probably a full part of anybody's. Um, and I was thinking maybe today you might be able to share with us perhaps something that in the moment uh, failure or didn't so well at the time, but in retrospect, looking back, defining moment or worked in your favor to, to bring you where you are today. Um, so just sorry about I, you broke up, but I only got bits and pieces of that question. I'm sorry about that. But I, I heard something about I, I think the question was about. What are some failures and what have you learned? Or is that what the question was? I couldn't hear it. More or less. Yeah. So, it, you know, failures are an inevitable part of success. So if there's anything in your career journey, for example, that at the time you really thought, oh, wow, this is horrible. How could this have happened? Uh, and then in retrospect, might have been the best thing to have happened or to get you where you are today. Sure. Uh, so many uh, so many failures, but I, I, I'm really good about learning from them. And, and you know, it's more of a... Uh, it's usually a post-mortem type of learning. Um, and so, you know, when I was on the agency side, I had worked on a ton of rebrands um, from, you know, everybody, like you talked about Acura, we, we did uh, with Microsoft, the uh, now no longer exists, but we did, we did start the entire brand for Microsoft retail store and, and helped figure out their interior. So, you know, after every single one of those big projects, uh, and even at Acquia, I've got some really great experiences from, you know, a demand gen campaign that just really bombed that I learned from um, and had brought that with me into this role of call miner. But I think that's the biggest piece of advice is use that failure. Um, and, and, you know, you're going to bomb on several things, but use that failure to like really dissect it. Uh, it's everybody talks about doing a postmortem and they're going to get the team together. And it happens maybe 20, 30% of the time because we're very busy. But at the very least, just even individually step back and do some self-reflection on why didn't that go that well? Um, even on things that you think were fairly successful, there was probably two or three things you wish you would have done different. So I always try and just step back and just if, if, at the very least myself, think about what I would have done different. Uh, and that's really helped me because you know with this new rebrand, there was a few things when I did a rebrand at Acquia that I wish I would have done differently with that rebrand. And I went into this rebrand for, for Call Miner with those fresh in my mind. Uh, and, you know, I think we, we definitely did not make those mistakes and we uh, had a really successful launch. So. Amazing. Amazing. And my last question, and I'm hoping we can get a little personal now, um, but yeah. when, you, when you put your name into Google and, you know, I, I was super excited when you said yes to joining the show and I had taken a look on LinkedIn and I was researching you and finding out so much amazing professional experience about who you are, Eric, as, you know, CMO, um, as seasoned marketing expert. Can you share with us on this podcast something about yourself that we're not going to be able to find out on LinkedIn or if we Google you or YouTube? And I, I don't know about TikTok, but. <laughs> I'm, I'm not on, I'm okay. admittedly not on TikTok, <laughs> Um, is very happy about that. So, um, not on LinkedIn. Um, let's see. Uh, so I am a military brat. Uh, my father, um, was in the army and we lived in a couple different countries and like eight different States uh, all the way up until, uh, about middle school. So I feel like, you know, at the time, obviously I was terrible to have to move that often. And my brother and I hated it, but I think it's, 
helped my career. I think it made me just fundamentally adaptable, um, able to kind of figure out situations very quickly. But you'll never find that on my LinkedIn, but I think that's probably my secret sauce. I love it. I love it. We actually, so we had, a, I had, a, we have a new VP marketing who's fantastic. And I actually hold a degree in counterterrorism and she also comes from a military background. So we oh, were wow. laughing at how actually like marketers are, you use the creative side of your brain, but at the same time, there's, there's a lot of military um, folk and I'd say military friends of folk and children of folk in marketing who are excelling. But I think exactly why you mentioned, right? You have to adapt and you have to adapt fast. And I think it's the same in marketing with whether it's new technology you're using, new trends that are popping up. So I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, Eric, thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you for joining us today. And uh, if anybody wants to join Callminer um, or has any questions for you about the technology or would like to be in touch, where can we find you? Uh, callminer.com, but also you can reach me, you know, Eric Williamson at callminer.com. Feel free to reach out. And uh, like we said before, uh, looking for great talent. We are hiring a ton right now. Fantastic. Eric, thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Radically Transparent podcast brought to you by Octopost, the only social media management and employee advocacy platform architected for B2B. I'm Jennifer Gutman, your host and director of social strategy here at Octopost. And if you love today's show, we'd love if you subscribe, rate, and give a raving review wherever you get your podcasts. For more discussion on B2B social media marketing, be sure to follow Octopost on LinkedIn. And of course, to gain access to all our free social media marketing and employee advocacy resources, head on over to our website, www.octopost.com. Until next time.